may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Do I have enough? This question about finances and basic needs keeps on popping up in our lives and thoughts in various ways throughout our lifetime. Depending on one's social status, one might fixate on one of the following levels of insecurity. On a Friday afternoon, a third grader in school might wonder, will we have food at home tomorrow? A parent is paying monthly bills and realizes the old familiar expression, we have too much month left at the end of the money. A couple is considering retirement and they ask their financial advisor, will we run out of money when we're old? All of these questions and situations are a variation of the same question where is the source of true security? Our gospel for today addresses In the verses just prior to our reading, which were not included in, in today's text, Jesus had been instructing his disciples to have courage when their lives would be threatened. But in the middle of that conversation, someone from the crowd made an off-topic request. This man asked Jesus to be the judge or referee in an inheritance dispute with his brother. Now, if any of you have ever served as an executor of an estate, you know all too well that this position can be fraught with challenges. Sig siblings can squabble over anything and everything from who gets mom's china to how the money from the sale of the house will be divided. Settling an estate can often divide families. The basic concern in all these fights is, I didn't get enough. So, how did Jesus respond to this question? He refused to take sides in the dispute. Instead, he chose to remain in his role as teacher. He began teaching with an old proverb, beware of all covetousness, for a person's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Let me say that again. Beware of all covetousness, for a person's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Next, Jesus developed this teaching with a parable, as he often liked to do. In his story, the rich farmer had deluded himself into a false sense of security. The flaw in his thinking was not that he had become wealthy, but that he couldn't see beyond himself. He total, totally disregarded the needs of others. He was foolish because he was blind to the truth, and he had forgotten he would be accountable to God. 
how much how, he forgot how much he had been given and that he much also that much was expected of him since he was absorbed with himself and had forgotten the needs of others despite all of his efforts to pile up wealth his life was not secure After that negative example, Jesus developed his teaching more with positive examples. People often can become anxious about material things. Anxiety is defined as the lack of trust in God and a lack of interest in God's kingdom. Jesus now gave two object lessons uh, from nature for us to consider especially when we're anxious. The first example, Jesus called people to think about ravens. Or in our language, you might call them crows. To get the full meaning of this example, one needs to know the mindset of the Jewish people about this bird. Ravens were a prized bird in the Jewish mindset. They weren't like a chicken that you could boil and eat. According to Jewish dietary laws, ravens were considered unclean because they ate carrion. Now carrion, you might know, is rotting things. The crows, the ravens, ate carrion or rotting dead animals. And for that reason, they were supposed, Jews were not supposed to eat the, the crows or ravens. And yet, God still provided food for these lowly birds. If God would feed these unclean birds, might he not also feed people? Indeed, that is the will of the Heavenly Father. Again, consider the wildflowers. They only live a short time, but they have been clothed in more beauty even than all the glory of Solomon. Yes, God provides for his creation. I'm reminded of this when I look at my gardens and look at the beautiful flowers that are here for a few days in all their beauty, and then they fade and something else comes out. The daffodils fade and the tulips come out. The tulips fade and the irises come out. The irises fade and the lilies come out, and so on all the way through the fall. Yes, in all their beauty, we have to appreciate what God has provided. Jesus' object lessons remind us that the Heavenly Father knows our basic daily needs of food, clothing, shelter, medicine, and much more. God wants all people to have what they need, Jesus calls us to place our trust in the Heavenly Father's promises. In this case, to trust God will provide for our needs. As Lutherans, we are reminded of, this, of these promises when we profess our faith in the words of the first article of the Creed, as we will do in a few minutes. That's why we've been using the first article for our confession the last couple of weeks. Luther concluded this long list of the ways God provides for us with this summary. 
maybe some of you remember it, all of this done out of pure, fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness of mine at all. For all of this, I owe it to God to thank and praise, serve and obey him. Now, how does this will of God get done among us? That is, how do all people get their basic needs met daily? Or are people getting their daily needs met? Is God's will being done fully among us? Sadly, in this imperfect world, some people are still homeless. Children go to sleep hungry. Seniors sometimes have to choose whether to eat food and pay their rent or take the medicines that their doctors have ordered. A gap between God's will and our current reality still exists. An article in the Minneapolis Star and Tribune uh, a couple of weeks ago on August 12th spoke about this extreme poverty despite overall prosperity in our country. The article said, some Minnesota social service charities say they are seeing record levels of need, even at a time of low unemployment and overall rising prosperity. Largely stagnant wages and a growing population of struggling seniors, paired with a housing shortage and rising rents, have pushed the Twin Cities poorest even lower, nonprofit leaders say. The largest open to the public free meal program in Minnesota, Loaves and Fishes, is on track to serve a record one million meals this, meal, this year. One million meals. That's one-third more than last year. And Minnesotans visited food shelves a record 3.4 million times in 2017. And that was more than even during the Great Recession of about 10 years ago. Why is all of this still going on when God's will would that uh, people's needs be met among us so all humans have their needs met? The simple answer to that complex question is we still live in a broken and fallen world. Greed and selfishness abound. Sometimes that answer gets dressed up in theological jargon that would go something like, God's kingdom has come already, but it is not yet fully here. Sometimes that gets short, shortened to the phrase, the kingdom of God is already, not yet. Maybe you've heard uh, pastors refer to the kingdom of God in that way. We can respond to that paradox about the kingdom in one of two ways. The cop-out response is the old saying, the poor will always be with us. That becomes an excuse to do nothing. It is saying, that's not my concern. This was the attitude of the foolish rich man in Jesus' parable. This response is selfish and unfaithful. It is the greedy response. It is, I don't have enough way of viewing life. The other response flows from grace, 
grace which God has already shown. I illustrate this from a recent situation family. For the last year or so, uh, Leona's niece uh, has been dating a girl named Grace. Last winter, we were all at a family funeral. At the end of the service, the pastor invited the congregation to say grace before we filed out to go to the uh, fellowship hall for the luncheon. While I stood in line a few minutes later with Grace and her dad, Grace had a very puzzled look on her face. She knew I was a minister, so she put this question to me. Why did the minister use my name during the service? I paused a moment to try to think of a way to explain that to a seven-year-old. I told her, your name, Grace, means undeserved love. I added that when we say grace before a meal, we are saying God has provided this food for us even though we don't deserve it. This reminds us God loves us and wants our daily needs met. As God's people, we all have been graced with many blessings from the food we eat daily to the most precious blessing God gave his son, Jesus Christ. We have been blessed richly to be a blessing for others. This is our calling. In recent years, the ELCA has coined the phrase, God's work, our hands. Maybe you've heard that. They've used that phrase to express our calling. This phrase means God has provided for his people and redeemed them through his son. Now, in response to God's gifts, God's people, the church, use their God-given talents and resources to share these blessings with others we meet in our daily lives. Each member as an individual and each congregation as a collective group is called to assess their God-given talents so we can serve other people in the community where we live and beyond. This is the faith practice of discernment. It is a moving forward in faith under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is a call to acknowledge God is not a stingy God. It is a call to acknowledge God's grace overflows abundantly. As Lutherans, one of our most basic core convictions is this. All of life in Jesus Christ, every act of service, in daily calling, in every corner of life, all of life in Christ flows freely from a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So how will each of us as individuals and as a group respond to this calling from our God who is full of grace? When we have doubts and times of unfaith, which we will, listen again to Jesus' parting words in today's reading. 
these words give us the security to proceed with our calling each day. Those words, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. May we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these life-giving words each day. As we pray, thy kingdom come, we acknowledge God's kingdom will come without our prayers. Luther reminds us of that. We are not somehow manipulating God with our prayers. However, Luther also reminds us that when we pray this petition, we are praying that God's kingdom may come among us and through us to those we meet in our daily lives. This is what the model God's work, our hands, is attempting to say. When we do this, we are living out our lives in thanksgiving for what God has already done for us. This is the faithful response for all the abundant grace God has shown to us. God has blessed us richly to be a blessing for others. God has graced us to be graceful to others daily. This is our calling. May we be faithful stewards of God's gifts. Amen.